Hi everybody, welcome to Religion in Life. My name is Caitlin, I'm with LDSSA, and today we're going to watch an address given by Sister Christina B. Franco, originally given in October 2018. Sister Franco is from Argentina. Her family joined the church when she was three years old, and she says she gained her testimony in primary because that's where she learned that she could ask God for help. She also met her husband in primary, so it's very fitting that she's now the second counselor in the general primary presidency. So enjoy! My dear sisters and brothers, it is an honor to be with you today. Um, you are a blessing to the world, to the church, and right now, to me. What brings us together today is our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. As the Book of Mormon prophet Jacob once said to an anxious and troubled group of saints, it supposes me that you have come up hither to hear the pleasing word of God, yea, the word which healeth the wounded soul. Today, I want to testify that through scripture study, prayer, and meditation, we can come to know the Lord. He promised to heal our wounded souls, but only if we allow His holy words to enter our minds and our hearts and to purge and cleanse our hearts. But God will only heal our wounded souls if we are willing to come unto Him. Now, to come unto Him, we must study the words wisely, thoughtfully, and regularly. Studying the scriptures can be quite an adventure, don't you agree? An adventure in learning and understanding, an adventure in sacred history, an adventure in ancient languages, an adventure into the life of the Savior and unto our true selves. When you um, really think about it, the scriptures are a passport to adventure. Will you join me on a trip back to Nazareth a small city in northern Israel, not far from the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus lived as a boy and a young man. Let's go back to a time very early in Jesus' ministry when he was about, about 30 years old. He had just been baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. Immediately after his baptism, he went alone into the wilderness of Judea and fasted there for 40 years, 40 days, not 40 years. That's a long, <laughs> a little too much, but 40 days. At the end of his fast, he was tempted by the devil. And after his season of testing, Luke tells us that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout all the region roundabout. And Jesus went home to Nazareth and attended his own synagogue there. And he had an opportunity to read uh, to the congregation that day and quote these prophetic words from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives 
and recovering the sight of the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Who among us does not feel at times um, brokenhearted or captive to miserable memories of painful addictions or blind to the needs of others or desperately seeking liberty from oppression? Let me tell you a personal story about brokenness. When we were raising our children, they decided that they wanted to take piano lessons. Of course, they needed a piano to practice. We were poor, very poor at the time, and we thought there's no way that we can get a new piano. So my husband started to looking at old pianos. And for the holidays that year, he decided to get us a piano, a really, really inexpensive one. It was so old and inexpensive that you could tell that by the sound of it. Nevertheless, a piano is a piano, and it did the job. We found a way, and our kids learned how to play, play, play piano. Um, when the kids grew up and left the house, we thought the old piano was only collecting dust, so we decided to sell it. A few years went by, and uh, we moved to a different home. We had some money saved, so my husband said, <clears throat> I think it's time for us to get a new piano. Excuse me. <coughs> I answer, why would you get a new piano, honey? I mean, you don't play, I don't play. But, but he was like, oh, but this piano plays itself. The, <laughs> the only thing you need to know is how to use an iPad, and you can play over 4,000 songs, including all the hymns, all the tabernacle choir songs, all the primary songs. Okay, he's a great, great salesperson, to say the least, right? <laughs> well, I love the piano, so I just learned a little um, piano while I was... Uh, growing up. So we went shopping for a piano that plays itself and finally found one that we like. We made arrangements to have the piano delivered to our home. And a few days later, two big Tongan men came to our home to deliver the piano. They said, where would you like the piano? I said, oh, just right there, just two steps to the right. I got out of the way and opened the door. They had like a little dolly to, for moving the piano. It was a baby grand, so they took the legs out uh, and they, they put the piano sideways on top of the dolly. You need to know that our house was sitting on a little bit of a slope. Not much, but a little bit. Um, and that day was kind of slashing. Can you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. They started moving the piano up the little slope, and the next thing I heard was an awful loud crash. Bang. Oh, the piano hit the ground really bad. And um, our grass, actually, and a big, uh, it left a big dent, like this, this big, on our lawn. I think the whole neighborhood uh, heard the sound of it, and it wasn't very pretty. I said, oh my goodness, are you okay? They were okay. No one got hurt. You can imagine how they felt, though. They look at each other and look at me and said, we're sorry, we'll take it back, and our manager will get in contact with you. 
Well, the manager got in contact with my husband, and he being such a nice guy, he told them that they could just repair it and return the damaged piano home. The manager apologized and said, don't worry about the piano. We'll get you a new one. My husband said, no, it, it couldn't be that bad. Just fix it. Fix it up and bring it over. And the manager said, we can't do that. You know, you purchase a new piano. The wood is broken. And once the wood is broken, it can never sound the same. You'll get a new piano. Well, after that conversation, my husband said to me, isn't that funny that we went through this experience? Aren't we all like the piano? Aren't we all a little broken? Like a little banged up or scratched, like we'll never be the same again. But through the Savior's atonement, we can sound beautiful again like a new piano. We can't solve all, all of our problems by ourselves, but we can all be healed. We can all sound new again, beautiful again. This is why we need a Savior to redeem us from sin and suffering from our, ourselves, really. Our unbecoming thoughts, our unintentional emotions, our unfortunate choices. Through the scriptures, we can come to know the Lord. The attention and care we give to His words is a strong indicator of the path we will follow in our lives. You will not find a better, happier, more peaceful path than the one taken by the Son of God. Let's continue the story from Luke. Pause for a moment. Can you picture that moment in the synagogue? Jesus is reading a well-known passage about himself, the promised Messiah, a subject of great interest to the Jewish people, especially during this time in history. It only gets better. Luke's, uh, Luke goes on. And he, Jesus, closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wonder at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they, and they said, Is this not Joseph's son? Can you imagine the sensation that ran through the crowd that day? I mean, Jesus was announcing to his homeward, so to speak, right, that he was the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. It's plain to see that it was one of the most important moments in the history of the world. But his message wasn't very well taken, uh, received by the majority of the people present that day. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him out unto the broad hill, broad of the hill, whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. Jesus 
spoke the truth, but most were not prepared to hear it. So, so much so that they attempted to take the life of the very Son of God. Um, but Jesus escaped. It was only the beginning of his ministry, not the end. It was um, not Jesus' time to die, so he passed through the midst of them and escaped. So what did you just learn from Luke? Did you learn anything new? Okay, did anyone have a new thought about these verses? This is what scripture study is all about. Learning, understanding, and growing. This is why I love to study the scriptures. If you have read the Book of Mormon, I'm sure you remember the story of the brother of Jared. Do you remember the time the Lord appeared to him in a cloud and chastened him for three hours? I mean, three hours. For, yeah, that's a hard one. For neglecting to call upon the name of the Lord? Please take note of these three words from the Apostle Paul that he taught about studying the scriptures. Reproof correction and instruction. Reproof lets us know where we need to improve. Correction guides us to modify and improve our behavior. And instruction teaches us how to improve to live a better life and find the upper path. I think that we can all agree that we are in need of constant reproof, correction, and instruction. I certainly need that help too. From what better source can we receive such help than from the Lord through his scriptures? Well, what did the brother of Jared do? He straightened out his priorities. He got to work. He started building barges, as the Lord instructed, to cross the great waters. The Lord taught him how to provide fresh air to the air and water watertight vessels. But when it came to providing light for the barges, the Lord asked the brother of Jared to find a solution. And what was that solution? Do you remember? Yeah, I know that you do. <laughs> Jared did molten out of the rock 16 small stones and asked the Lord to touch them. That was his solution. And did it work? Yes, it certainly did. And as a result, Jesus showed himself unto the brother of Jared in the spirit, even after the, after the manner and the likeness of the same body, even as he showed himself unto the Nephites. Can you see where his repentance and obedience led him? I have been inspired by President Russell Nelson's uh, quest to learn more about our Savior, Jesus Christ. Consider with me that he, as he began his new scriptural adventure, President Nelson had just turned 92 years old and had been a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles for over 32 years. Yet, he still felt a need to reach for deeper understanding of the mission of Jesus Christ. We can learn from his example. How many of you remember that President Nelson spoke to the young adults in January 2017? He later wrote, I challenge those watching to increase their testimony of the Savior by taking time each week to study everything Jesus said and did as recorded in the Old Testament. Study, 
his laws are recorded in the New Testament. Study his doctrine as recorded in the Book of Mormon and study his words as recorded in the Doctrine and Covenants. I promise those listening that if they would proceed to learn all they can about Jesus Christ, their love for him and for God's laws would grow beyond what they could currently imagine. <clears throat> what I didn't mention during this address was that I knew this promise, um, that it was true because I was in the midst of completing this very same assignment myself for the very first time. On December 1st, 2016, President Nelson said, I obtained a new set of scriptures and proceeded to begin the same assignment that I would later extend to young adults in January. When I finished the assignment, six weeks later, I had looked up and marked more than 2,200 citations from the four books of scriptures. For me, to be able to accomplish this assignment was just thrilling. Isn't that sound just like President Nelson? Something I found to be most insightful was that the Savior was telling us about himself through these various periods of time, you know, the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Restoration period, and our day. In all books of uh, the scriptures, the story is the same, and the storyteller is also the same. <clears throat> Private personal study, as President Nelson has shown us, is a great way to learn, but how about attending institute as well? Wayne Davis, in an Ensign article, wrote that institute students see great strength and blessings pouring into their lives. In a recent survey, institute students in 10 different countries were asked what institute did for them. Why did they go? What was it helping them? Thousands of responses were gathered and revealed three main themes. Institute helps students to, one, strengthen their relationship with Jesus Christ. Two, it helps them to progress spiritually. And three, to gain confidence to make important life decisions. My young brothers and sisters, I love Institute. It is a great blessing. Institute has blessed my life to better understand the scriptures. When I was young, um, a young mother, and heard about a fantastic teacher, Brother Michael Wilcox, I started attending his classes. It was a special treat for me from my busy life as a young mother. While attending um, the Institute, I also formed many precious friendships. I testify to you that if you have the faith to attend the Institute classes regularly, and if you study the scriptures and other sacred materials you are asked to study, you will certainly have a strengthened relationship with Jesus Christ, progress spiritually, and have more confidence in making important critical decisions, decisions that will bless you today and throughout your life. Let me share another personal story about how scripture study, particularly the Book of Mormon, can change a life for good. As part of my assignments in the primary general presidency, I visit different primaries around the world. 
One day during sharing time, as one of the sisters asked a question about Heavenly Father, an 11-year-old boy got up and said, I don't believe in God and I don't believe the church is true. Immediately, I felt like getting up and hugging this boy and softly whispering in his ear, Oh, but he believes in you and he loves you. But I was there to observe primary and collect information. So I held back. When sharing time was over, I expressed my concern for this boy to the bishopric counselor over primary. He assured me that the bishop would be meeting with the boy soon as he would be turning 12 in a few weeks. I asked this good brother to please keep me informed of this boy's progress. A few weeks later, the bishop of this ward sent me an email sharing the following. My executive secretary reached out to the parents of a young man who was turning 12 in a couple of weeks so that I could interview him prior to his ordination. His mother and father both said that they didn't think that he would be obtaining the Aaronic priesthood because he had been telling them that he didn't believe the church was true. I asked if I could meet with him anyway, and a few days later, we were sitting together in my office. When he came in, the bishop wrote, I could see by his body language and countenance that he was already defensive and perhaps a bit nervous or uncomfortable. We informally chatted for a few minutes until I found a topic that he was interested in and, and he became animated and excited to talk about. Soon his guard was down and he was much more relaxed and at ease. I asked him why he was there that night. He said because I was supposed to uh, interview him to become a deacon. I asked him how he felt about that. He said he wasn't going to be ordained because he didn't believe that the church was true. I asked him how he had come to such conclusion. He said that he had prayed before and he had never received an answer or felt anything. He said the Joseph Smith story didn't make sense to him and that he didn't believe it. I was a little surprised at what I said next. It seems like the words came out of my mouth before I could think of them. I told him I didn't think he was in a position to make such a bold statement. I told him that I thought he wasn't qualified to come to such conclusions. The bishop goes on. I asked him how much he had studied or researched to come up with this opinion. He asked what I meant by that. I asked him if he had ever read the Book of Mormon before. And he said that as a family, they try to read the Book of Mormon regularly. But have you personally read the Book of Mormon yourself? I asked. No, was his response. I asked him how he could possibly be so sure of himself if he had never really done anything to actually find out for himself if the church is true or if Joseph was a prophet. He said that he had prayed. I asked him how many times and for how long. He said a couple of times. I told him that this isn't the church of Harry Potter. <laughs> right? You gotta love the bishop.
and that magically, if you say a few words, poof, you get an answer. I explained that God expects him to do something. He can't tell me the church isn't true until you actually do something. I then gave him an invitation. Read the Book of Mormon every day for the next week. Each time you read, ask your Heavenly Father if the book is true. And then listen. Listen with your heart and with your head. If you come back to me after a week of doing that, sincerely and honestly seeking, and still feel the same way, then we won't move forward with your ordination. Do you agree? I asked him. Yes, he said. Then I bore witness to him of how I had to come to know that the church was true and how I found out that Joseph was a true prophet. We shook hands and he left. A week uh, later, he was in my office again. Well, I said, what happened? With a big smile on his face, he excitedly shared his experience. He said he went home right after we spoke and began reading the Book of Mormon. He brought it to school with him, and during his breaks, all week, he pulled out the book and began reading. He said he prayed each time. With a couple of, within a couple of days, the bishop reported that he started to feel happy inside when he read. He felt calm. He said that he knew it was true, and that Heavenly Father loved him and knew who he was. He said that he wanted to be a deacon. I asked him to share with me how he felt about Joseph Smith. He said he knew he was a true prophet. During our remaining time together, we spoke of the duties of a deacon and his role in, a, in the sacred ordinance of the sacrament. It was a wonderful experience. The past few Sundays, he has personally given me, the bishop, the sacrament. I found out that he had specifically requested that assignment each time we look into each other's eyes and smile. Sisters and brothers, I testify that as we read the Book of Mormon each day, our faith in Jesus Christ will increase and we will be strengthened. We will have more hope and peace, peace of mind, and we will make better choices and we will be protected. Let me close with my witness of the Prophet Joseph Smith. The Apostle Peter spoke of being, of, sorry, excuse me, of being an eyewitness of the majesty of the Lord. The Nephites also beheld the majesty of our Savior when he appeared to the 2,500 people in the land of Bountiful, not uh, long after his death and resurrection. Joseph Smith, at the age of 14, became an eyewitness when he saw the glorious vision of the Father and the Son in the sacred grove. These stories from the New Testament, the Book of Mormon, and the Pearl of Great Price bear witness to us, to you and to me, that these wonderful men and women personally knew the Savior and were eyewitnesses of His Majesty. We don't have to be in front of the Savior to see the Savior. I want you to think about that. We don't need to be in front of the Savior to see the Savior. It is my testimony that we can also be eyewitnesses of His Majesty today. Perhaps we will not see His face or look directly into His eyes now, but we can see His Majesty at work in our daily lives. 
in the eyes of those in need of His mercy and grace, in the hands of those who sincerely seek to serve Him, in the hearts of those who reverence Him with all their hearts. I offer you my personal witness that the scriptures are powerful and true, worthy of our lifelong attention and devotion. They are instructions from a loving Father for a happy life that will never fail you. I add that Institute will help you to follow those instructions. Through His sacred words, the Savior heals the wounded heart, the wounded heart binds up the brokenhearted, proclaims liberty to the captives, opens the prison doors of those who are bound, and comforts all those who mourn. It is my humble prayer that we follow in his footsteps and go and do likewise. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thanks for watching. Make sure that you tune in again next week. Bring a friend to watch with you. And don't forget to register for this class using the Institute app so you can get credit. See you next week.